Amen. All right. How y'all doing this morning? Now listen, I, I sound like I went, uh, I was at one of the bars uh, last night, and I sound like I, I just got drunk and, and screamed and hollered all night, and you know, but that ain't really what happened. I woke up this morning, uh, and I was, I, was just, I was just feeling different, and, uh, and I'm going to blame it on the fact that none of us have slept a whole lot. And uh, we, we've just, uh, it's something just crept up on me. So you'll, you'll, have to, you'll have to give me a little grace this morning. And uh, we'll, we'll just, if I pop and crack a little bit, just say amen and we'll, we'll be fine. Everything will be all right. Um, it is truly an honor to have been here this week and uh, with you guys. And, and I say it every year, um, man, it, you, you don't know... Um, you don't understand the investment that you're making across the country in, in a lot of churches um, that you don't get to see. You don't, you don't get to see our church, and you don't get to come to our church. We, we come here, and we enjoy, and we watch you serve us, and, and we see the things that you do, and, and, and God uses it in our life in unbelievable ways. Um, Brother Daniel is, uh, is a deacon, the one that's uh, saying he's a deacon at our church, and, uh, and God, God has, has radically changed his life and, and my life. I mean, God, God's, God's done a lot of great things in our life together, and, uh, and so I'm really grateful for what God's done in his life. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I sit around, and I'm, I'm, as, I'm as happy uh, watching him do his thing in here as, as I am anything on the planet, and uh, so I, I just— Again, I, I want you to make sure you understand, uh, man, there's, there's a lot of my heroes in this room. And uh, there's, you say, well, uh, we have to see these jokers all the time. Well, don't, don't be doing nothing crazy. Uh, I've been known to fly, I've been known to fly uh, back to better places in Kansas City to whoop up on somebody. <laughs> and... No, I'm, I'm for real. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for real. Uh, but I'll, everybody thinks I'm joking. So if I needed help. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I mean, I, I, yeah, man. Yeah, you ain't got to worry about that. We got you, man. Yeah, I pastor a bunch of convicts back in Dallas, Georgia. And, uh, and that's not a joke either. Uh, I've got way more felonies in my church than I do actual uh, people without felonies. And, uh, and I love it. I mean, I really do. I, I love it. They're, they're the most faithful that I have. And, and they'll fight at the drop of the hat. And they'll drop the hat. <laughs> yeah. We've had to reel that back in a few times. Uh, and, and so we'll, we'll, I'll load the whole gang up. The Baptist Mafia will fly to Kansas City and do our thing if we have to. And we'll go back. You can blame it on us. You can blame it on us. You'll be blameless before the Lord. We'll just, yeah, we'll take it, bro. Uh, yeah, remember, I mean, for real. Uh, we're all itching just a little bit, you know what I mean? Uh, if you lived in that life for, for any length of time, you're kind of itching just a little bit, and you're like, man, uh, just one more time, it would just be fun, you know what I mean? And to do it on some Baptist would be even way funner, you know? Um, 
man, I, I, again, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. My kids, I've got five kids, and, uh, and y'all don't know how big of an impact you have on my kids and their desire and their heart for the mission. And you just being good to them. There's a lot of there's a lot of people in this church that text my girls and try to be friends with my girls and make friends with my boys. And, and so it's just, this is a great place. And I don't, I don't want you to forget it. Don't take it for granted. And uh, this, is a, this is a fantastic place for you to be. God's moving and God's doing great things in your life. So I want to pray. And then we're going we're gonna to ask the Lord to forgive all that fight and talk. And um, see if we can get past grieving the Holy Ghost there. And then maybe we can, maybe we can get into something spiritual this morning. Amen. Lord, we love you. Uh, thank you again for loving us like you do. Thank you for this week. Uh, Lord, thank you for Pastor Sam Miles. Um, thank you for the investment he's made in my life. And, and God, the, the various other pastors in this room that's done the same thing. Um, God, I'd, I'd never be any more grateful than I am right now. Man, this is an honor every time I, I get to stand. And obviously, Lord, this is a very special place for me. And so, God, I, I pray that you use it this morning. I pray, God, that you draw people. I pray, God, that you help people see exactly where they are and what they need to see this morning. God, we, we need you. Lord, we're a very, very needy people, whether we believe it or not. And so, God, we ask you this morning, Lord, that your spirit would move in our hearts. And, God, that you'd show us. God, give us ears to hear. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith. Lord, we love you. Thank you again for all the things that you've done this last week. And God, how you've worked in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's a, it, it's a really interesting phenomenon that kind of happened in the church of the Laodiceans. When the Lord was on the outside of this church and he's knocking. And... With this knock, there's a voice that was speaking. There, it, it, it's it's kind of mind-blowing to me that this the church, you know, the church of the Laodiceans, they, they have everything going on within their sphere of church. They've got good music. They've got good things going on. They, they've got, maybe they've got a good preacher. Maybe they've got this. Maybe they've got that. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but it is interesting to say the least that, that the Lord is on the outside of a seemingly engaged atmosphere of what we know to be church. Like, like they're in there and they're doing their thing and they're, 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 they're supposed to be worshiping the Lord. They're supposed to be preaching, and they're supposed to be singing unto the Lord, and they're supposed to be serving the Lord, and yet the Lord is on the outside. And he's knocking, and there is a voice, and he says, if any man within that, that church, if any woman within that church, if they'll hear my voice. Now, A.W. Tozer made a statement one time, and I, I thought it was worthy to repeat. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, that 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. He said, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, the early century New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. 
Man, it makes you wonder sometimes in your own life. Is the Lord on the outside? Mark chapter number 12 is a really interesting chapter too because it, 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 it is Jesus Christ consuming himself with the Pharisees. Like he's consumed in answering all of their stupid questions. He's consumed in dealing with these, these and I don't, can you say more on here? Yeah, you can say that. Okay. Uh, you can't always say that in certain places anymore. It's kind of weird. But he's consuming himself with these morons about stupid things. I mean, they're really asking crazy, crazy kind of questions about certain things that really have no bearing. They're trying to trip the Lord up. And, 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 and so what ends up happening with these Pharisees in Mark chapter number 12 is Jesus puts out, it, it, Jesus puts out a parable to them. And he, he, he says, this is, this is who you are. How many of you understand that when you don't have peace, it's a noticeable thing. How many of you understand that when you're 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 when you don't have peace, usually your world is is full of struggle. That when you don't have peace, you usually do something like what the Pharisees do, and you try to engage in some kind of in some kind of 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 idea in questioning with the Lord that actually has no bearing on anything in your relationship with Jesus at all. You see, my own, my own peace comes at the expense of my own way most times. It comes at the expense of my own voice and my own thoughts and my own desires and my own will. The Lord actually promises a peace that passes all understanding. But this peace that passes all understanding, he said it would keep your heart and it would keep your mind through Jesus Christ. And it comes at the expense of being careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, you're letting with a heart of thanksgiving, you're letting your request be made known unto God. James says that there's no temptation taking you but such is common to man. So we all have this temptation within us. What is the temptation? I call it, it's, in your, it's ahead in your, I call it the temptation to live the silent life. I call it the temptation to live the silent life. What is the silent life? The silent life is where there's no voice of God. It's a life that's lived with Jesus knocking, but nobody ever answering. Mark 12 gives us some of these, uh, some characteristics of a group of people that lived the silent life. A life with no voice, a life that was consumed by their own will. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the men that I see in me at times. And I see in our church at times. The Pharisees are men that have, they have terrible reputations, but it's all they know. I, I, I was thinking about this earlier this week. Many of them uh, had the silent life handed down to them. 
Meaning, we say it all the time around here, that, that you reproduce after your own kind. They had been dis- discipled to live a life apart from the voice of God. And I think many Christians across this country have been discipled and handed down a religious life with the silence of God. Now, how did we get the Pharisees? How did we get the Sadducees? Where did they come from and what do they represent? Well, uh, briefly, I I, I want you to understand the, the Pharisees came from a time period to where... There was this 400 years, we call it the silent years. 400 years, a period before Jesus Christ, 400 years before Jesus Christ. And during this period of the silent years, we had these two groups. I call them gangs, if you would. Thugs is what they were. And and, and what they did is they created an atmosphere that did not need God to speak. Pharisees represent man-made, man-centered religion that came from the old adage, you ready? The show must go on. Who cares if the Lord's speaking? Who cares if the Lord's working? Who cares if the Lord is giving word? The show's got to go on. The Pharisees represent dead, organized religion that has no real relationship with God. Jay mentioned this verse the other night, Isaiah 66 and verse 2. For all those things hath hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. So I wrote down some questions I want to ask you. What do you do when you're not hearing from the Lord? Do you put things in place that make you look like you're hearing from the Lord? Uh, Do you smile? Do you go on about your way and you check all the boxes? Maybe you act like it's no big deal. That once what you had, it isn't there anymore, and it's like it ain't a thing. Is prayer an obligation, but with very little anticipation of God working? Do you live with the mindset, you come in here, and, and, and look, I know this is a different place, but there are outliers in all of them that live with the mindset, God bless me if you can. What about this? Do you get desperate when the doors of evangelism aren't opening? Do you get desperate before the Lord when, when doors of evangelism aren't opening in your own life and, 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 and in our church's life? Do you get desperate when the worship is cold and dry and dead? How many of us just wing it? How many of us just wing it when we're not hearing from the Lord? Just say, man, the show must go on. I can't help that I'm not hearing from the Lord right now. I didn't do anything wrong. 
I don't know why the Lord ain't speaking. Listen, I'm thankful for what we know, and I'm grateful that we, we have things that we can learn, and we have knowledge, and, and, and we've been given great teachers around here. There's people all across this globe that don't have enough knowledge to fill a thimble. And they know when it's dead. They know when it's dry. They know when it's cold. They know when it's hard. They know when it's no voice. They know when there's no conviction. They know that they can't keep going like they're going. And it's not enough just to stand by. It's not enough to not be desperate before the Lord. It's not enough to not get on their face. I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. If, if they had been seeking the Lord, they'd have never missed him. Remember, he came to his own, his own received him not. But if they had been seeking the Lord... They missed him working in their life. You ready? Because they were good with their system. Man, I'm afraid that some of us are so good with our system. We're so good with, with the framework of our systems and our, 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 our preconceived notions of where God is going to work and how God's going to work that we will not get desperate before the Lord. Ask yourself, is, is, this, is this me? Is this me right now? Is this us? Could, could I be the problem in us? Midtown Baptist Temple. Could I be the problem in Midtown Baptist Temple? How does the silent life manifest itself? How does the silent life manifest itself in our hearts? Number one, I want you to look through an ungrateful heart. Through an ungrateful heart. Mark 12, 1 through 12, he gives a, a parable to these Pharisees. Jesus gives a parable to these Pharisees and he says, he says, all right, a, a, a certain man, he planted a vineyard. He, 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 did, he, he dug a, a ditch for the wine fat. He put a hedge around it, built a tower. He gave it a husbandman, and he went into a far country. Okay, so, so he's going to do his thing. Well, the season comes, and he sent to the husbandman to gather the fruit of the vineyard. Okay, he was looking for the glory of his vineyard. Okay, he owned the vineyard, he just gave it a husbandman, and they were supposed to tend it. He was looking for what was his. So what happens? He sent a servant. He sent a servant, and the servant, when he gets there, they beat him, and they send him on his way. So he sends another servant. The, the, the owner sends another servant, and they beat him, and the owner sends another servant, and they beat him, and then they started killing him. And then said that he sent his, his only son, his well-beloved son, 
And he makes this statement, they will reverence my son. They, they're going to reverence my son. Now, all these servants, all these, all these, uh, all these other guys, maybe they just won't reverence, but, but they're going to reverence my son. Well, they have in their mind, they get in their mind, they say, well, here, here's, no, that's, that ain't how this is going to go down, because here's what's going to happen. If we kill the son, then we'll be heir to the whole thing. If we don't pay tribute, if we don't give the son, but rather we kill him, then the glory of the vineyard as a whole will be mine. So they come and for sure they kill the son. And in their mind, in their mind, They're entitled. They're materialistic. They're selfish. They're, they're, they're wanting what doesn't belong to them. Okay, this is the... And, and, and here's what, they got mad because he, the, the Pharisees knew that Jesus was talking about them. So they get mad. They get all ticked off. I, you know, they... they, they they blow up about the whole thing, and, and they're, they're upset. And they took the lay, they wanted to lay hold on, they sought to lay hold on Jesus. But why are they really so upset? Because the glory of the vineyard belonged to the owner. Man, that was rightfully his. The, the glory of the vineyard belonged to the owner. I found out a couple of things. An ungrateful heart has the desire to make itself appreciative of certain benefits, even if it takes what isn't theirs. An ungrateful heart can never get enough. An ungrateful heart has a really short memory. They, they, they forgot, the, 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 the husbandman of this vineyard forgot that they didn't do anything to get the vineyard. They didn't, they didn't own the land. They didn't build the, 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 the ditch for the wine fat. They didn't build the tower. They didn't have put the hedge about it. All they did was go in and take care of it. And, and look, they were so consumed with what wasn't theirs, they were so entitled that they took, they, they thought, well, we'll just take it for ourselves. You know what I found out? The silent life, you know how it manifests itself? With an ungrateful heart. Man, most of the time you get out of kilter with the Lord, it's because your heart starts out in unthankfulness, in ungratefulness. How many of us in the room can go back to a time period and you know in your heart that it was your ungratefulness that got you where you was? 
that it was your unthankfulness that, that got you at maybe maybe in this in the ministry. Man, you're in here and you're in the ministry, and, and you, you felt like you deserved more. You were entitled to more. You felt like you should have been, you should have been given this over somebody else. It wasn't yours to begin with. It was never yours. The owner owned it all. And I'm just a steward of it. And I don't get to be ticked off. I don't get to, listen, you want to know how it gets quiet. Quit being thankful. You don't know how you come in here and you sit and everybody else is worshiping and you ain't? You're looking around and you're like, well, that, that must be fake. That, that can't be real. They can't come in here and worship the Lord like that every week. You criticize people and you're mad. You're, it, it, all it is, all it is, and you know it, and I know it, that God, that it's as quiet and it's as cold as it can be on the inside. Because your heart's ungrateful. I'll be honest with you, I didn't really want to preach this today. I don't actually like preaching stuff like this. I would rather, like, every now and then, I want me one of them Joel Osteen messages. <laughs> I never get the stinking things for some reason. Like, I put requests in with the Lord every now and then. But you know what I found? Man, if the Lord ain't speaking to me, I don't have a shot. I don't have a chance. If the Lord isn't guiding me, I don't have a chance. If I don't remain grateful, I don't have a chance. Man, that, that, that Psalm 96 this morning is perfect. It's perfect. Romans 1. Let's look at it just, just for a second. You just round them down. I think I've got one of the verses that I'm going to read. But Romans 1 verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Now, now the, the, the ending of this verse says, but, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Listen, your unthankfulness, your ungratefulness is a highway for vain imaginations. 
It's a highway to, to turn people that are your friends into enemies. It's a highway for, for, for the devil to tell you that you deserve the whole vineyard. Let me give you the second one uh, through legalistic approaches, uh, approvals. Through legalistic approvals, what, what is, how does the silent life manifest itself? Through legalistic approvals. So, so they try to get him with this whole uh, deal with, with Caesar, and Jesus answered, said, render unto Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, unto God things that are God. And they marveled at him. Like, that was some big deal, right? Like, just pay your taxes. And go on about and give to God, going about your business, boys. Like, this is not real hard. I don't know why you're making it so complicated. And they marveled at all that. Well, then we get to verse 20, and, and they're like, all right, so there's seven brothers. Now, this is a screwy situation, by the way. And the first took a wife. Dying left no seed. Then the second, then the third. Then we make it all the way down to seven. Listen, where I come from, a dog that seven later that ain't reproducing dies around my place. I mean, this is a whole deal. You understand that? Like seven brothers and, and all of them sterile? We got major problems going on here. Everybody, everybody understand we got major problems right now? I mean, this is a medical issue in this lineage. Somebody needs to find their daddy, and, and, and we need to figure this out. It was a messed up situation. So they're saying, he's saying there's seven. So which one of them at the resurrection, which one of them is going to be the husband. So, so Jesus in verse 24 says, Do you not therefore err because you know not the Scriptures need the power of God? Now this is really, it's really interesting because they couldn't see Jesus. They couldn't see Jesus in the flesh because they built a system that Jesus hated. All right. Jesus is, Jesus is wanting to deal with these people on their level, but their legalistic approvals has caused Jesus not to be able to work. The one living the silent life may know some scriptures. Don't you, don't you to, I want you to listen to this one. The one living the silent life may know some scriptures, but not unto life, which is the power of God. Okay, look, look, look at, at verse, um, look, look with me down in verse number 27, Mark chapter 12. He says in verse 27, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do err 
uh, do greatly err. So God made it, made it real simple for these guys. Your knowledge is based on what you want to see and not what's actually there. But because you, you err because you know not the Scriptures nor the power of God. Well, what is, what, what is the Scripture that he's talking about? He's talking about life-giving Scripture. So, so Romans, Romans says that, that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Okay? The Scripture is life-giving. But they wasn't worried about Scripture that gave life. They were worried about Scripture that would hold men in bondage. The silent life manifests itself in people that know the Bible. They don't know it for the sake of life-giving. They know it for the sake of holding men in bondage. Oh yeah, you you know the Bible? Does it give life? Do you give life? Because chances are you're living the silent life if, you're, if what you do know is not life-giving. It's not to hold men in bondage. That's what the independent fundamental Baptist movement is. It does things and knows the Bible to keep men in a certain set of standards. And that's all these Pharisees were doing. Hey, let's put him, let's, let's put Jesus in some kind of, let's put him in some kind of box to make him, make him say what we want him to say. Let me give you this last one. The silent life manifests itself through a prideful presence. Through a prideful presence. Verse 38, he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace and the chief priest in the synagogues and the uppermost room at the feast which devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. These shall receive the greater condemnation. Now, these mugs were extremely wicked, right? But why were they like that? They had built a system that had no voice. And get it, they didn't want the voice. John came crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. They come out to John, and and what's John do? Would you come out here to see, boys? Would you come out here to see a reed shaking in the wind? He's seen a dude looking all crazy. I mean, how many of you understand John had to be looking like a psychopath? 
I mean, straight up, looked like he was from Dallas, Georgia. And he calls the Pharisees out because they didn't want no voice. They didn't want to hear the Lord speak. They didn't like the fact that Jesus was coming, that the Lord was coming. Why? Because they were good with their system. Are you good with your system? Are you good with the way it is? Or do you, do you ask God to shake it up? God, shake me up. God, get me to a place. Lord, whatever it is, break me down. God, get me to a place to where I'm no longer comfortable with the status quo. They had an arrogance to them. They walked through the marketplace, and they liked everybody to love on them, and they liked everybody to talk about them. They didn't care nothing about the voice of God. Many of us in this room, if we're not careful, it may not be now. Maybe a year from now. Maybe five years from now. You'll get so comfortable here. You'll build your own system. You'll build your own little, your own little deal and, and a voice will come and you'll reject it and you'll, you'll, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord. Sam said it. Listen, God is calling people. God is calling men and they're saying, no, Lord. There's plenty of people being called, but there's a whole lot of people saying no. How'd I get out of this mess? How do I get out of this mess? Ask yourself a question. Are you good with life like it is right now? You good with the way your kids are right now? You good with the way your marriage is right now? Ask yourself, are, are, you, are you good? Are you satisfied to the core? Some of us hadn't seen anybody saved in a really long time. And it used to bother us, and now it don't bother us no more. Some of us used to get opportunity to minister, and, and we don't get that anymore, and, and, and it don't bother us that we don't. Because we're good coming here. We're good doing this, and we're good doing that. And I, I know, listen, I know this is a great church. This is, this is a better church. This is, a, this is a top-tier place. I understand that. God's doing a lot of great things here, and you, you're probably like, man, you, you picked the wrong place to preach that. And you could be right. But there is no substitute for the voice of God. There is no substitute for God's voice working in your life. Are you hearing him today?
Is it cold? Is it dry? I don't know how you want to do this invitation time, but I would like to call you to a place of repentance this morning. I would like to call you to a place to where you get humble before the Lord. To where you, you, can, you can see right now there is no substitute. There's some guys in this room, and you're leading families, and, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, there is no substitute for the voice of God in you raising your kids. There is no substitute for the voice of God in your marriage. Man, you're, you're going to reproduce after your own kind in your home. This morning, I, I'm begging you. As we close this mission con- missions conference out, wherever you go and whatever you do, you are going to need the voice of God. You're going to need the power of God in your life. You can, you can try to get around it, but it's a real thing. You need the power of God on your life. And this morning, I don't know what's causing you not to have it. I don't know why it is, but here's what I do know. There's times when I look like these Pharisees. I get grumbly and I get complaining. And I start murmuring. I start acting like a goon about stuff that, that don't even matter. I won't get, maybe I want to get legalistic with some stuff. Maybe I want to get prideful and think I deserve more than what I'm getting. I deserve this or I deserve, I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, could we lay that down at the feet of Jesus this morning? Could we come come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know what, I I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I act like this. But I don't want to continue. I don't want to stay where I'm at right now. Could I, could I pray for you? Lord, now I know this is a great church, Lord. It's got great pastors. It's got great, great leaders. There's great godly men and women in this church. But God, there's a propensity for every every one of us to live the silent life. To live a life with no peace. With no open voice. God, would you would you radically shake our hearts? by letting us see that a a group of people that were born in a time 
that had to reproduce a show. Could you let us see this morning? God, that we cannot afford to be those kind of people. That we got, we, we're going to be the remnant in the last days. God, maybe there's somebody in here and they're lost. Never came to save in faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you bring them to a place of humility and they'll get humble before you. Lord, thank you for this, this time we had. In Jesus' name, amen.